Well, good morning. How is everyone this morning? Good. Can you believe it's already Thursday? Right? It's crazy. It went so fast. I'm sure there are some parts that seemed slow, but most of it, I think, went really fast. Um, tonight, I almost said tonight. Oh, my land. This morning, can you guess where we're going to be? Hebrews 12, 1. So you can go ahead and open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Um, as I was listening to that song, I love that song. And before we get in today, I'm going to pray for us. But there is a verse that is actually not Hebrews 12:1 yet um, that the Lord laid on my heart that he reminded me of today. And this is my prayer for all of us as we continue to study the scriptures. And it's James chapter 1. And in this section, uh, James, the brother of Jesus, head of the Jerusalem church, is speaking to the believers scattered abroad because of persecution. And he's talking to them about listening to the word and doing what the word says. And in chapter 1, verse 21... He says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil, which is so prevalent. By the way, this is my favorite verse in King James because it has the word superfluity of naughtiness instead of um, moral filth. It has superfluity of naughtiness, which, I mean, you can't get any better than that. And humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. My dad, I love him. Um, he is a, a strong believer in the Lord of God and, and the Lord in the Word of God. And he memorized James in his 40s, late 40s, early 50s. He memorized the whole book of James. So if my dad can do it, we can memorize too. And he was studying it and he was teaching through it. And he would tell, uh, tell me about this verse and he would talk to me about how it is so important for us to take the Word of God and to let our hearts be like good soil, that we would let the word of God penetrate our hearts and grow in our hearts and change us. And so that's what I want us to remember as we begin this morning. So let's start with prayer, and then we'll get into Hebrews chapter 12. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray um, this morning as we open your word and as we see what you have to say from scripture, Lord, that we would humble ourselves before you. And that we would accept the word of God. That it would change our lives and that we would not just hear it and it go in one ear and out the other, but that we would do it. James also tells us later on in that passage, Lord, that, that those who do not do what the word of God says is like a man who looks at himself in a mirror and walks away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And Lord, we do not want to do that. We want to be doers of the word of God. Let it change our lives today, Lord. 
In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Let's read it together. Now we're going to go slow. Don't go fast with me. Are you guys ready? We're going to read it out loud together. I know we all have different translations. It'll be okay. Here we go. Ready? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, does some of your translations say, instead of throw off everything that hinders, say lay aside every weight? Anybody's? Okay, awesome. So we've been talking about the race that we are in, that we are uh, to run this race in full effort with directed purpose and with perseverance. And since we are in this race that is set before us by the Lord, now I am one of those people that I always ask, this is the first question I ask whenever I'm in, in a race, whenever I do board games, whatever, you can ask Miss Leanne because she teaches me lots of games. The very first question I ask when she begins to explain a game to me is, how do I win? Because I like to win. Okay, anybody else in here? Yes. Right, okay. How do I win? That's always the question I ask. How do I win? So today, let's look at how do we win this race? How do we win this race? The phrase that we are going to be looking at in detail this morning is let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. How do we run a race successfully? Lay aside every weight. Throw off entangling sin. Lay aside every weight. Throw off entangling sin. Okay, so first we're going to look at laying aside every weight. The word for weight in Greek is this word right here. And I'm pretty sure I'll listen to how to pronounce this. So I, if I don't pronounce it right, I'm going to blame the Internet. Ogkos. Ogkos. That's what he said on the trans little thingy that I listened to this morning. Ogkos. O-G-K-O-S is the transliteration. And that is the word for weight. It means bulk, mass, burden, encumbrance, an oppressive weight, either light or heavy, which is born, whatever is prominent, protuberance, what a great word, bulk, mass, a burden, it is as bending or bulging by its load anything that renders you less fit for the race. Anything that renders you less fit for the race. So here's the question we have to ask ourselves today. What is weighing you down? What is weighing you down to where you are not effectively running for Christ? Could be lots of things. But there is one thing in particular that I felt like the Lord wanted us to talk about this morning. So we're going to go into it. Um, a lot of times we pick up and carry things that are not ours to carry and it hinders our run. Okay? You all with me? We pick up stuff. Sometimes it's good. 
a little good or a lot good. And if you're anything like me, I spiritualize everything. So I make my sound, myself sound really righteous for carrying this big burden on me. I'm so righteous for caring about this, for carrying it, this weight. But in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus Christ says that his yoke is, is easy and his burden is light. Let me give you an example. You all know I have siblings. That's probably a silly example, but it's important to me because it was my real life, okay? When, when I was younger, I was very obsessed over my siblings' well-being to the point that it would cause me to worry, have knots in my stomach, and be anxious because there was a time in my life that my younger brother was not listening to the Lord, Okay? And he, oh dear, hopefully that wasn't me. And he would uh, make decisions that I knew were not the best decisions to make. I wanted to control it. I wanted him to do the right things and make the right choices. I was worried, I was anxious. But my brother's righteousness is not my responsibility. It isn't. Doesn't mean I can't pray for him. Right? It doesn't mean when he would ask me, which I mean, what little brother's going to ask his older sister for advice? But if he were to ask me for advice, I would point him to scripture, obviously. But there are things and choices, people's hearts that I cannot change. My mom used to tell me all the time, Jacqueline, you're not the Holy Spirit. You're not your sibling's Holy Spirit. I'd be like, I would do such a good job being my sibling's Holy Spirit. No, I wouldn't, okay? It'd be horrible, okay? But I sure wanted to be sometimes. But my brother's righteousness was not my responsibility. Maybe you guys have felt that way. Maybe it's sibling's choices. Maybe... It's a friend's bad choices that you're stressed out about. I still get this way with interns sometimes. Maybe it's your parents' relationship that you just really want to fix. Could be anything. These things lead to anxiety and worry. And that's where we're going to pick up today. We are going to talk about a word that is so prevalent today, anxiety. Which I, I was curious, I thought that was amazing that you guys, some of you guys asked about fear um, and anxiety. We're going to talk about anxiety, okay? Um, I have had anxiety. I deal with people who have had anxiety. I am not foreign to the concept of anxiety, okay? Just so y'all know. Um, I know what it's like. I've been awake in the middle of the night, my chest pounding, and I was positive I was going to die. That kind of anxiety, Okay? One thing I need you to know, we are both physical and spiritual beings. God created you as a physical and a spiritual being. What does that mean? We have physical bodies, right? We are also spiritual beings because believe it or not, all of us are going to live forever. One place or the other, we're going to live forever. We're eternal spiritual beings. 
okay? That's the way God created us, both physical and spiritual. However, secular humanism, which is the belief of our culture, okay, will tell you they only believe in the physical. They only believe in what you can see, what you can feel, what is around us in our circumstances. This leads them to only deal with behavior, circumstances, and surroundings, okay? So in the secular world, they only deal with behaviors, what's going on around you, your surroundings, or the circumstances with which you are in. And they feel that if, you can, if they can fix those things, everything will be okay. Are you with me? Have you guys seen this, heard this, felt this, right? Okay, believe this. But the problem is that's only half the issue because we are not just physical beings. We are also spiritual beings. God created us as both. And when we are anxious and dealing with anxiety at whatever level, there are physical ramifications because I have felt them, okay? The knots in my stomach, the, my heart beating out of my chest, hard to breathe, all that kind of stuff, okay? There are physical ramifications, but there's also spiritual stuff going on too that we need to address. So I'm not a doctor, so I'm not gonna deal with the physical side of it. I'm gonna deal with the spiritual side of anxiety today, okay? We all get on that? Cool. When we are anxious, when we are dealing with anxiety, we need to ask some questions, okay? What am I fearful of? What am I fearful of? In my earlier example with my siblings, I was afraid of my brother not walking with God in living a sinful life. That was my fear. Number two, what do I desire to happen that isn't happening? What do I desire to happen that is not happening? My desire was that my brother would make the right choices and it was not happening. What am I trusting in? What am I trusting in? Honestly, I was trusting in my own strength. I was trusting in the fact that I could somehow will my brother to do what was right, which is kind of funny to think about it, but I really, I mean, I thought there was something that I could do about it. I could say just the right words, I could do just the right thing to get his attention, and it would click and he would do what needed to be done. What are you trusting in? Number four, what am I trying to control, fix, or handle? What am I trying to control, fix, or handle? This one gets me every time, I'll be honest, because I like to control things. And usually when I'm very, very anxious, I am trying to control a situation that is literally out of my control. Most of the time, do I have interns in here? I only have one intern in here, Rhiannon and Wall. For me, it's interns. I'm an intern coordinator, I have interns. They're like my children, okay? Even though they're too old to be my children, but they're like my children and I love them so dearly. And when you work with someone and you live with someone and you watch that someone and you speak with them, like you're tight. 
and you know what's going on in their lives. And they do not always make the choices that I think are right. They make mistakes, they mess up, they struggle with sin, just like everybody, just like me, just like you. And I see it, and my, my insides get like this, get all tight. And man, I want to control it so bad. I want to put rules in place to make it be right. I want to, I, I want to change their heart. But I can't change people's hearts. I just don't have that power or authority or superpower. I just don't. Might be cool. Actually, I think it would be overwhelming because then I'd have to fix everyone. It's be a nightmare. So I'm glad God is the one who does that. He's in control of that. But I like to control and I like to fix things and I like to handle things. And when I can't, when it's out of my control, when it's out of my reach to fix, I get anxious. I get anxious. So once we answer these questions, what do we do? What do we do with it? 1 Peter 5, 7. If you ever struggle with anxiety, you need to memorize this verse because it's amazing. And I was in 1 Peter 1, 7. That was not the right verse. Okay, here we go. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. When we get anxious, it is a weight on us that we do not need to be carrying. We are trying to fix things. We're trying to control things. We're trying to handle things. We're trusting on ourselves. We're fearful of things that are not ours to carry. We are to throw it off. We're to throw it off. And you're like, it cannot be that simple. You don't understand. It is too hard. Like, it just keeps coming back. Like, you don't get it. Yes, I get it. The Bible says throw it off. Throw it off. God can carry it. He's sovereign. We've already talked about this. He can bear the weight that no one can. So give it to him. And when it comes back, give it to him again. I like to think of it as Abraham and Isaac. I, Abraham takes Isaac up to um, the mount uh, and God tells him to sacrifice Isaac and he puts him on the altar. And it's, it's a picture of surrendering everything to the Lord, right? And so I'm like, okay, there are pieces in my life that I'm trying to control. I need to surrender it to the Lord. So it's my Isaac, okay? It's my Isaac. And I keep putting my Isaac up on the altar. What, what I've found is my Isaac is, uh, is like a ball of yarn, okay? I put the ball of yarn up there, and I just have like this little piece of that string, and I just keep pulling <laughs> and pulling and pulling until eventually all of my Isaac is back in my lap. I'm like, oh, oh. Lord, I failed. Okay, here's my Isaac up on the altar. And sure enough, in my human tendencies, I start pulling that Isaac back down again, back down again. One of my interns says she feels like her Isaac is really greasy. He keeps rolling off the altar, you know, just keeps falling off. Isaac keeps falling off the altar. So keep putting him back on, okay? Keep putting him back on. And we're going to talk more about how to do this tonight, okay? But when we have a weight 
that is not ours to bear, whatever is weighing you down, whatever you're stressing about, whatever you're anxious about, whatever you're fearful about, give it to God. Give it to God. He can bear it. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. You were not meant. Girls, you were not meant to carry that load. Jesus wants to carry it for you. Entangling sin. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. So let's go on to entangling sin. Okay? What I love about this is um, here where we look at the, this description of sin, it is not called deadly, where, where it is called that in other places in scripture, okay? It's not called deadly. It's not described as killing, a killing sin. Um, instead, it's described as entangling sin. Now, why is this? Okay, why? Well, I'll tell you why. Who is the author of Hebrews speaking to when we get to Hebrews chapter 12? Who's his audience? Say it, say it louder. Interns? Oh. The church, us. Okay, so the church, those who have trusted Jesus Christ as their savior, right? What does it take to be saved? Do you guys remember? Shout it out. Come on. Look to, look to Jesus. We're going to try that again. Oh man, they haven't been listening at all this week. All right. How do we become saved? How do we know we're trusting Jesus, right? We what? We look to Jesus. When we look to Jesus, what does he do? He covers us, right? He covers us. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, Paul says in Romans that sin no longer has a hold on you. Okay? Right? You guys with me? So if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, sin is no longer in the driver's seat. It is not, has no control over you. So before we trust Jesus Christ, we were in a state of condemnation, right? That meant sin, our sin, was condemning us to death. That sin was deadly. It condemned us to death. However, when we look to Jesus, we come into the light. He covers us. Okay? Sin no longer condemns us because Christ's blood covers it. Okay? Christ's blood covers all of your sin. All of your sin that you have done that you are doing and will do in the future. Christ's blood covers your sin. Okay, are we clear on that? Okay, so if the author of Hebrews is talking to believers and he's talking about sin, he is no longer talking about sin that condemns us to death because we're covered in the blood. What he is talking about is that while we're still running this race in these physical bodies, sin hinders our run. Sin hinders our run. When I sin, when I am living in sin or dealing with sin, 
It causes me to be ineffective in the race that I am running. Do you guys get that? Does that make sense? The word picture that he uses here is for an athlete to be running. And I know they didn't have like the athletic clothes that we had. I don't really know what they were. Okay. But what the picture is, is extra garments, like long flowy garments, like getting caught around their feet and stuff so that they cannot run. Okay. Extra garments that are hindering the race. Does that make sense? Right? Okay. It's an entangling sin. Girls, there are two, there's two camps, okay, really, I think. Two camps that we tend to be in. One, God has covered everything so it doesn't matter what I do. I'm saved, I'm good, I'm not engaged in the race, really. I'm saved, I'm good, boom. And we're still dealing with a lot of sin and we're living in sin, but we're comfortable and we don't care about it. That sin is hindering your race. That's hindering you from being effective with the gospel. Effective for the purpose that God has called you to. Does that make sense? The other one is uh, sometimes us as girls can get really overwhelmed by our sin to where like we freak out every single time we sin and we are in the depths of despair because we think that God is going to pull his love from us because of our sin. Have you ever felt that way before? I have. I've been in sin and I just, man, it wrecks me. It wrecks me. And I almost get this idea that um, I have to earn back my salvation to an extent. Like I know that Jesus died on the cross for me. I know I'm saved, but like, like for some reason, I feel like I have to do all these good things to make it up. Okay, neither of those are true. God has already covered me in his grace. But in Romans, as Paul says, in Romans 6, 1, I think I used to, I had that memorized as a kid because I thought it was so funny. Um, and he says, I'm going to read it because I'm going to mess it up because I don't have it memorized like I used to. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? By no means. In King James, it said, heaven forbid. And I thought it was so much fun to say as a kid. Shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? Heaven forbid. No, we're not supposed to do that because it hinders our race. Not because God's going to pull his love for us, because it hinders our race. And if you stop and think about it, you probably can think of an instance where you were living in sin and it hindered your race. I can so many times, so many times when I was living in sin, um, as far as my attitude to my siblings, it messed up my race. My whole day was messed up. The way I talked to my siblings, the way I talked to my family, the way I talked to my friends, I, I was not godly. It hindered my race. It hindered my walk with God. Because when I'm angry, I don't like to open up the Bible. I don't know if any of you guys are like that, but I'm like that. When I'm angry, I don't want to open up the Bible. I don't want to memorize scripture. It hinders my relationship with God. And what's so crazy, that hinders my run even more because I need the word of God to tell me where I'm going because it's my directed purpose. And I'm not in it, so I don't know what he's saying. 
Entangling sin hinders our walk with God. And it hinders our race. There's a couple passages, and I know we're going to talk about this even more tonight, but a couple passages, because in Scripture, it tells us to throw off, okay? We're supposed to throw off the weight. We're supposed to throw off entangling sin. But every time it tells us to throw off something, it tells us to put something on. So go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, 21 through 32. It says, surely you have heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Put off your old self, put on the new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 26. So I say live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. We read that last night. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you will not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, for those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these, there is no such law. He tells us to put off the sinful nature and to put on the fruit of the Spirit. Lastly, Colossians chapter 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. If you go down to verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves in compassion, 
kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Put off the sinful nature of the flesh and put on, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is what we talked about yesterday. It's not about our desires. It's about God's desires. We are to deny ourselves and take up his cross. Every day. Girls, this is every day. This is not a one and done thing because it's a grueling conflict, remember? We are in a race. A race doesn't end until when? When does a race end? When you hit the finish line. Ooh, I almost tipped over. Do you guys see that? The race doesn't end until you hit the finish line. Put off. Throw off means to put off, renounce, stow away, lay aside, give it up. It isn't, and this, this is really interesting. I had to ask my sister about this because she's a linguistics major, but apparently the word for throw off in, in the Greek is in the second aorist middle tense, whatever that means which means that we are to continually throw it off. We keep throwing it off. Okay? We keep throwing it off. What do you need to throw off today? What weight is weighing you down? What sin is entangling you that is causing you not to be fit to run? What do you need to throw off? And I want to encourage you, do it today and do it tomorrow and do it the next day and the next and the next and the next and the next because we are in a grueling conflict, a race that has to be run. And yes, these weights are just going to keep coming at us and these entangling sins are going to keep enticing us until we reach the finish line but we have the answer cast it at Jesus' feet throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and run with perseverance, the race that was set before you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you um, for these girls. I thank you for um, what you're doing in their lives, what you're doing in my life. Lord, I pray that um, as we go about our day that you would, um, that we would have fun, that we would have joy, laughter, um, that you would protect us, that there would be no injuries, um, today. And Lord, that you would open our eyes to whatever is weighing us down. If there are weights that we are carrying that we don't need to be carrying, Lord, I pray that we would cast them to you. Lord, if there is sin that is entangling us, hindering our run, Lord, that we would cast it aside. And Lord, we thank you that we have a God that loves us and cares for us 
and will carry our burdens and our weight and who gives us an easy yoke and a light burden. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen.